0: Hello, I'm Lianne and this is Bariatric Yarns, where we talk all things weight loss surgery with a diverse range of guests and the occasional guest co host. Bariatric Yarns is here to support destigmatising bariatric surgery, advocate for feeling good in our bodies and minds, and to provide a safe space for others to talk about the truths of weight loss surgery. We bring you thoughts, ideas, experiences. But we don't bring you medical advice or prescription, so please seek that elsewhere. Let's start our Bariatric Yarn for today. So welcome to Bariatric Yarns. We are here today for a, a panel a discussion, a panel yarn, uh, with the lovely Lana. Kia ora. And the lovely Lana. And it, actually, I should have said Malo Elele because it is Tongan language week for our Tongan family. Malo Elele? Sure that? Yeah, that's correct. Malo Elele. I'm sure there's a lot listening to this podcast. Um, I have no doubt. Uh, <laughs> so, today's theme has come straight uh, off of the Instagram, and uh, we're going to be discussing BMI. So, I'll just read out the comment that came from Wellbeing Wonderland. Lianne, can you and the girls please talk about BMI on your next panel chat? Not only is the whole clothing sizing system fucked up. Oh, I should have queued a, a drum roll for that because that's very true. But the BMI and <laughs> I only know one woman who is in the health range. Five foot six, size A cup, boobs, very slight frame, narrow shoulders, a classic size eight. How many wahine from our weight loss surgery community are trying to learn a whole new way of eating, being, thinking, exercising, taking note of their glorious bodies and tricky, tricky mind. To have the abandon oh, hang on. No, sorry. (laughs) She 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 posted again afterwards to say that was not the right word. Let's just we'll get it right the first time. To have (laughs) the BMI index as our medical measuring stick. So um bullshit Yeah, we're gonna we're Sorry. gonna riff off that one today, uh, wellbeing Wonderland, and, and kind of talk about BMI. We actually should have started recording this a lot earlier because um, yeah, just as have. a as, yeah, as a side note, we all started uh, we used the Kiwi Cover BMI index calculator, and we all started figuring out what ours were and what they said. So should we sh- should we share that Absolutely. information? Sure. Yeah. Sure thing. All right, so uh and let's talk about pre-weight loss surgery and post-weight loss surgery so i'll go i'll go first as an example eh uh, so this kiwi cover calculator takes into account weight and height so that's what the body mass index calculator or calculation is is um what is your number based on your height and your weight um so when it before surgery wouldn't I was 141 kilos. My BMI was 49.4, um, and interestingly enough, this calculator makes you put in your ethnicity. So if I put in Samoan, then it says that to be in a healthy weight range, I need to be 71.2 kilos. Um, but if I say that I'm New Zealand European and I'm I'm half of each, uh, then I have to be what is it, 68.4 kilos. Uh, So, right now, my current BMI is 35.7. So, according to the BMI index, I'm still obese. Um, And I'd need to lose another, and we'll we'll go off the or number here, another 30.8 kilos to be considered in a healthy weight range. Um, What about you guys? How much?
1: How much do you need to lose?
0: 30.8 kilos. 30. Yeah, I'd have to be. So, last time I weighed myself, I was about 102. And um, this says I'd have to be 71.2 kilos if I wanted to go off the New Zealand European range and I'd have to get down to a 68.4. So we'll talk about what our scores are and then we'll talk about what our actual thoughts are about that and go over a brief history of the BMI. Uh, (laughs) Lana, you want to go next?
1: Sure. Um, So I did my... I'm actually just taking wee notes. I did... (laughs) (laughs) I was one hundred and twenty-one kg before surgery, which is forty point nine, on the BMI scale. And according to like whether I put Maori or whether I put uh, European, like New New Zealand European. it is saying that if I am Maori, or like if, if I if my genealogy was to only be Maori, I'm assuming that, that is what that means. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh my optimum weight would be seventy-three point eight kg, but if I'm European, I should be seventy point eight kg. So is that difference of like two, right? That that two kg difference. Yeah. Is what they're giving us. Two, mm-hmm. three? Mm-hmm.
0: Three. But interestingly oh my gosh, enough, my math is bad. Stays the same, eh? The BMI stays yes. the same, but the weight is. So the tells BMI you,
1: shifts by. The BMI shifts by 0. 0.3. so oh, there you go. So it shifts by three kgs, and it shifts by 0. 0.3 on the BMI scale. Oh, yeah.
0: Fascinating. Um, Interesting.
1: But I am. I'm eighty nine kgs now. I fluctuate between eighty eight and ninety. Um, depending on how big a shit I take. Um, <laughs> and uh, I am 30.4. 30. 30. 30. Yeah, 30.4 30. on the BMI scale, which is still technically obese. That's um, really fascinating. Um, and I don't okay. agree with that. Yes. Yeah,
2: I, I find the BMI scale, like, it... Uh, i look at it in sort of two ways because you've got your your first sort of way of looking at it which if you break it down and what it is is it's a body mass index so it's it's an ancient scale that hasn't been updated i think since god like the 80s or 70s or something like that so
0: Oh mate, nine, hmm. we, this is a nine the 19th century. Yeah, it's century. it's, what we're it's, looking at it's here.
2: absolutely insane <laughs> that hundreds. today and you know the 21st century we're still using the same scale to you know I guess measure how one's body um like what we consider a health a health range. Um so I, I I can agree with it in the sense of it's an indicator for body mass. And that's what it's measuring on, but it doesn't measure somebody's health, and it has no indication of how to measure health because it can't. You just can't do that unless you're having a one-on-one with somebody and actually breaking down all of their health circumstances, um, which you know goes for people in an underweight category or an overweight category. Um, For me, when but prior to weight loss surgery. I was sitting at 43.3 from memory, and now I'm sitting at 24. So to date, I've lost 49.8 kilos. Um, And it's really fascinating, though, because if I was to gain 500 grams, I would then be back into the overweight category according to the BMI scale, which 500 grams, like Lana said, that's just a big poop. Um, So it's, you know, it all depends on how much water you've had for the day, et cetera. Your weight, I can easily go up two kilos, you know, um, depending on how much fluid my body's holding, et cetera. So what the BMI calculation doesn't take into, you know, it's, realm when it is calculating is the fact people's bodies you know they hold muscle mass they hold fat mass they hold water retention you know your water weight um so it's really hard and i don't i mean you've got all those new machines these days as well i'm not sure if if either of you have had one of those um body sort of scans which they then scan your water weight you know your
1: a lion gets them all bloody time (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, I will I will cool. talk to I will talk to them. Yeah. The Cuz the I've had one dance.
2: done as well and, and I mean I I find all that sort of information really fascinating because I think, you know, at the end of the day we we're, mm. we're made up of so many different things um which, you know, creates our body's fat just being a portion of, you know, the weight that we carry around each day. Um so it, it, it's really interesting and I I sometimes think that we as humans we can carry we can put so much emotion to a word you know like it, it's like the word fat we it's fat is just a word but it's the emotion behind the word um, fat that gives it gives it the power it has and it's the same you know if somebody uses the word you know slim or skinny. Um, it has, it's like, it can be reversed in both ways. So I think there's a lot of meaning behind the word BMI. Um, And that's what sort of creates that feeling towards, ah, it's, you know, a bullshit indicator, (laughs) Um, a bullshit measure indicator. Um, But I do still think it, it does have a point of being valid. So when I was at my heaviest and I, my BMI was, you know, 43.3, I was severely, um, like obese and there's no, there was no hiding that. (laughs) Um, but it doesn't just because I'm in a healthy weight category now doesn't indicate, as well, that I could be in my optimum health because, again, you're not taking in water retention or muscle mass, essentially, which are those are areas that I think my body could still improve on um, from a health
0: perspective. Okay, great, great. Um, agree with everything you're talking about there, Jess. Um, so I did find this article, which was written with uh, – guy that I like, Dr. John Bernardi from the Precision Nutrition team. It's 11 great reasons to pretend BMI never happened. So it says body mass index is a calculation that allegedly tells you if you're underweight, normal weight, overweight, or obese. Um, and it's a height to weight ratio that's used to categorize people by body mass You get your BMI by dividing your weight in kilograms by your height in meters squared. And then there's some calculators that put in some little variations like the ethnicity, that kind of thing, um, based off things that they may have learned since the beginning of time. But here's the thing. BMI wasn't developed to assess individuals' health or even their body fat. Oh, I haven't. The ratio itself was created by a mid-19th century mathematician and statistician whose project was to identify the measurement of the average man. It only became known as the body mass index when in 1972, a study in an in obesity researcher named Ansel Keys published his findings on which the, heart, the weight to height ratios in current use produce results. That best correlated to his his findings of body fat percentage in more than 7,000 men again. So that's when they started Mm. using it. And in 1985, the NIH, I think National Institute of Health in the U.S., recommended using it as a simple and convenient tool for the public health studies Convenient. and clinical religious. Convenient. Convenient. Oh, or yes. key the uh, yes, or the so word, the word, word being that it was around. only yeah. tested key. and used
2: on men, so yeah. it didn't really incorporate anything to do with hormones yes. or anything like that, but that's another <laughs> yeah. topic for
0: another day. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, exactly. So the BMI's most obvious limitation is yeah. that it can't discriminate between body mass that comes from muscle and body mass that comes from fat. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What makes BMI useful for looking at population trends uh, makes it a pretty poor choice for evaluating Mm. individuals. A better way for you to get some potentially useful health related info about your body fat is to measure Mm. your waist circumference. There's a science stuff here also to back that up but I won't read through that. Um, But that said, you can't get a complete picture of someone's health from BMI or body fat alone things you can tell by looking at a fat person and then it's it's got a chart and it's it's got a pie chart and it's like green they are all fat oh sorry they are fat red what they eat yellow how much they exercise blue how healthy they are and the and the the whole chart is green
2: oh, i just find it so fascinating <laughs> oh, because it's like example. i was looking yeah. oh, not looking i was watching the other night um it was on some news program and it was interviewing like athletes that have experienced um, mental health struggles and how they've had to push their bodies to the yep. absolute, you know, brink of exhaustion. And, yep. you know, I guess we look at our top athletes and we think they've got the ideal, you know, body, they're fit, they're strong, you know, they're mm. probably in a healthy weight range according to the BMI. But there's this other side to it where, you know, some of the athletes that they interviewed were starving themselves to meet weight categories. So how yeah. is that health? That is yep. not health in any ideal. And mm. to be, a, be be starving yourself to meet a weight category or meeting, you know, a BMI category in itself.
0: That's just the same as, yeah. as cutting like oh. cutting for bodybuilders, um, for just for weight classes in general, it's so it's mm. so normal yep. for like weightlifting, um, all that kind of stuff. Like the mm. week before, yeah. dropping eight kilos, it's, and it's exactly. all water. They just literally shed their body yeah. of any mm-hmm. carb, carbs related weight. Um, I, I liked the last the it's last terrifying. thing on this set. If you're happy and healthy, there's no medical mm. reason to lose weight. Um, and then I'll read the final two. When it comes to clinical weight management and obesity treatment, there's actually a newer tool that seems to be better and more holistic than BMI. It's called the EOS, Edmonton Obesity Staging System. Never heard of this before. And so it's got No, neither. Yes. It's a staging tool. So it puts you kind of into categories. Stage zero, no, it's green. No sign of obesity related risk factors. No physical symptoms, no psychological symptoms, no functional limitations. Stage two or stage one. Patient has obesity related subclinical risk factors or mild physical symptoms. Patient currently not requiring medical treatment or comorbid form of comorbidities or mild obes- obesity related psychology and/or mild impairment of well-being. Stage two, patient has an established obesity-related comorbidities requiring medical intervention or moderate obesity-related psychological symptoms or moderate moderate functional limitations in daily activities stage three patient has significant obesity related end organ damage or significant obesity related psychological symptoms or significant functional limitations or significant impairment of well-being in stage five severe potential end stage form from obesity related chronic disease or severe disabling physiological psychological symptoms or severe functional limitations so that's the Edmonton obesity staging system I fucking like the sound of that a lot more than the BMI I tell you like
2: like eating disorders you know and I guess eating disorders behind weight gain um, or when you're falling into those categories Um, potentially encompassing that and factoring that in because obviously you have your binge eaters. You have your binge eaters. That wasn't the right sort of way to term that. But, you know, you have um, conditions that are very valid and lead to, you know, obesity, essentially. Um, So I think that's quite interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So that one isn't yet recognised by the NIH, although this particular article I'm reading was 2017 um, but it has been published in the International Journey, Journal of Obesity. Mm. I'm going to read more about that later. And then, so in conclusion, unless you're conducting a study about weight trends in large populations, feel free to disregard the BMI, which can be a total yeah. life Yeah, how does it ruiner. make
2: you feel?
1: Which is um, easier... Yeah.
0: Your BMI. It,
1: sorry, I was just going to say yeah. easier said than done, though, mm. because as weight loss surgery people... We still are like, like the BMI was one of the prerequisites to getting weight loss surgery. Yeah. And then you're also trying to fit into a certain category that is um, potentially your surgeon's goal for you is Mm. to reach a certain BMI Mm. um,
0: level. Did you guys have discussions around BMI um, with your surgeons?
1: Not in depth, but I know that I had to. You had to be over. I
0: think it's thirty-eight, was it
1: thirty-five, or uh,
0: yeah. thirty-eight, depending yeah. on, so, depending uh, on uh, your country.
1: From what on, I, I
2: had read, and yeah. I think it yeah plus, depends on the country that things. you're in as well. Um, hmm. I know within New Zealand, I think majority of the surgeons like, especially if you're going through the public system, like their patients to be over 35 to 38 on the BMI scale and above. I know in Australia, I've um, previously talked with mm. some Um, people that have had the surgery and their BMI was under 35. They were sitting at around that 31, 32 mark. So I do know that um, there is people out there that have had weight loss surgery where their BMI didn't meet that sort of requirement that is sort of what I know to be in New Zealand. Um, Mm. My BMI was above 40, so they don't Mm. really ask questions when your BMI is above 40, from my understanding. Um, And all the Googling that I did prior to surgery, if your BMI was sitting between 35 to sort of 40, that's when they would potentially operate if you had underlying health conditions. Um, So it's interesting because... I.
1: What if, what oh. my sorry, my question is like, what if you are above that BMI scale, but you don't have any mm. underlying health mm. issues? Like, are they uh, yeah, still going to operate on no, you? No, I would say not probably. If, not if you go mm.
0: through the public system. Oh, sorry, Lana. I no, can, I mean privately. Yeah, yep. but privately, privately yeah, yeah, they'll still, they'll still. It's as long business as it meets, at the end
2: of the day. Um, it, yeah. But through the public health system, yeah, I yeah. believe that you do have to be meeting those um, definite BMI requirements and also having underlying yeah. health conditions. And
0: it, the yeah. comorbidities mm-hmm. is the yeah. is the key thing for the public system. I think I reckon it would depend yeah. on the surgeon. There will be some that uh, I know people who had under 30, 30, 38 as their mm. BMI who have had surgery, and um, and that yeah. was through the private system obviously and I think it would be I think there'd be a whole lot of factors I think they would be assessing more using that scale that we mm. talked about in terms of the psychological yeah. how is it affecting somebody's you know life mm. their whole life um there'll be some fucking skeezy yeah. surgeons I'm sure out there that don't give a shit and yeah want to just take your money but I, I don't think I've heard of any of them in, mm. in New Zealand as per se so I think they'd be taking more of a yeah. that holistic
2: it's quite fascinating because I, I, I I've heard a lot of um, surgeons, like you said, Lana and um, Leanne, where they, they do set your weight, like your goal weight or your goal BMI that they want to see you get into. But I've mm. – and um, Lana and I both had surgery through the same surgeon. But for my experience um, with Dr. Michael Booth, he didn't ever set me a goal weight. He didn't set me um, a goal BMI either. He,
0: yeah. Mm. He didn't
1: set me a goal weight or goal BMI. I just distinctly remember him being like, you will Mm. easily lose 30 kgs. Mm. And that was kind of, that was kind of it. It was more with, yeah, I think it was just. um, Yeah, which I find really interesting. I don't Um, think he set mm. like any goals.
0: Yeah, I didn't have any, like, we didn't even discuss weight loss. (laughs) It was uh, like, uh, no, sh- no shit, I didn't even talk about how much weight I might lose, what my BMI could be, I didn't actually give a fuck, and I think my, mm. my surgeon knew that, I was like, I just yeah, don't want to have a seatbelt anymore, and I want to move easier, there was, yeah, there was just no, and I I, am, yeah. I I don't know if he does that with everyone, or if he just mm. knew that I really didn't give a fuck, and I didn't want to have mm. those conversations. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. I
1: am, um, I am interested because I haven't seen my surgeon in a while, um, that when I go to see him, um, and, and the fact that like my weight hasn't changed since May, like it's fluctuated like two kg since May, but, um, my Mm. size has dramatically changed. Mm. So, like, I'm interested because over the phone, I know that it will be what's your weight at now. Yep. And, like, what are you – What like, what he, – He he does ask questions, mm. but he's super quick. Mm. Like, he's like, so what are you doing? What are you achieving? Yeah. Are you walking a lot? Are you doing this? Are you doing yeah. that? I'm like, oh, yes, Michael.
0: Um, <laughs> um, I'll touch on that, yeah. The...
1: But my BMI wouldn't have changed since May. Yeah. But my – um, but my size dramatically
0: has. I'll get you guys to think my measurements. about, because um, we will be coming to 30 minutes soon. Have a think about, um, I would like to hear both of your individual thoughts on, overall, what are your thoughts around BMI? If you were to write that in a post, what would you talk about? I'm just going to share the, um, so I have had the 3D scans since before surgery. I've had them for years. And um, so for me, the type of stuff that I've worked out because I'll get quite obsessive about the data sometimes, and I've had to learn to kind of let that go yeah, because yeah, it's actually dope. not very healthy. Um, regardless of whether, it, yeah, regardless of whether it's weight, yeah. BMI, focusing on body fat, all that kind of stuff, um, we kind of transfer from like, you know, back in the day, nobody mm-hmm. knew BMI was shit. Now we all kind of are aware of it. Yes, there's still some nagging thoughts stuck in our head that still makes us want to kind of be in that green range. But it, even though we know it's bullshit anyway, um, then the next thing was mm. body fat percentage. That's That became a thing. But the unhealthy part is just focusing on mm. numbers in, in the first place. So while I, I was obsessed with my body fat percentage and my muscle mass, um, yes, it was better to me, in my opinion, than focusing on my BMI because it it was a little bit more factual but focusing on that in general isn't as as the be all and end all still isn't the fucking key thing but i'll talk a little bit about like what would my bmi mean in relation to my uh fit 3d scans so the 3d scans are you like stand on a machine you go around in a circle and it literally shows you a full 360 picture of yourself. It's not very flattering. I don't know if it would be for anyone, regardless of size. Um, and then it breaks it down into your, like how much body fat you have, it, all the way through to you can look at each leg and each arm and it, it, it takes all your measurements as well, which is which is great. It's really good tool to have if you are f- trying, If for me where it's really helped has been, being able to see my body shape and everything change. And, like, there was a period of time where my body weight didn't change at all. And I thought, oh, I'm not losing weight, I'm not losing weight. Or it actually went up a little bit. And then I went and had a scan after six weeks and actually found I'd lost a whole bunch of fat. But I gained muscle and I'd lost inches and all that kind of shit. Really helpful in that respect. But for me, based off what my um, muscle mass and my fat mass is, like, I would actually, to fit into my BMI range... To be seventy one kilos, so I'm like hundred and two now and I'm about seventy kilos of lean mass. So I've got thirty kilos of fat and other stuff, whatever on me, I would have to start losing muscle mass to ever ever even fit in. Because our for to like a healthy weight range body fat percentage for women is, is anywhere from eighteen to twenty five percent body fat. That's normal. Um and well, you know if we're averaging it out, there'll be people that sit below that and sit above that, but in terms of stats. um, So for me to just break into that percentage, I'd have to lose muscle mass, which is fucking crazy to me because I'd never try and Mm. lose muscle mass just to fit into a BMI. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to, I'll hand over to you guys. I'll tell you what my thoughts are actually on the BMI and then I'll give you guys a, a minute each to talk about for yourself. I think like Jess started off with as a tool. It started off as this is the the state-of-the-art tool, but we've learned, we know more now. It's one way to tell you what your height divided by your weight is. (laughs) It's a number. The bit that, it's never gonna go away. It's gonna stay there because it's a universal way that people have used to measure it. And I agree, it's not great for individuals. The thing that we can change is our mindset around it because we know what we know, we've learned what we've learned, It's just finding ways to disassociate with that number being the key. For me, like I actually just know now, I'm always going to be obese on that scale. It's not going to change unless I get cancer and like fucking lose everything off my body. That's the only time I've seen people with builds like mine end up super fucking skinny, which is sad. But that is literally, that's literally it. What I hate about the scale is the fact that it's broken down into healthy, obese, overweight. It could it could be group one, group two, group three, group four, and then it's like, okay, yeah. So people yes. in group four may be more likely to have symptom X, Y, and Z. I could take that, but people who we're saying are in this range – we're all automatically saying you're overweight, you're obese, you're super obese. That's what pisses me off about the scale. You could use that measurement and, yeah, cool, apply it to all the research. And it just, again, it gives us more data about stuff. But why does it have to be healthy, unhealthy, blah, 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 blah? That's what I, that's what I hate about it. So that's my finishing thoughts on uh, BMI. Who wants to go next?
2: It's unlike Lana or I to okay. not speak yes. out. You guys oh. both of us
0: oh. staring at staring at each other going, Hey, who's yeah. yes first? Um yeah. uh, you need to know, Lana, your screen is like a little bit behind. So sometimes when you start talking we
1: Oh, it's behind too. It? Oh good. Yeah. <laughs> there we oh, go.
0: That's so yeah. funny. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: That's why. There's been a bit of talking over because we can't see when you're going to talk. You look like you're just, just sitting there. So, all right. Anyway, Jess, um, you go. <laughs> Marianne, you
2: really sort of put that, or took all the words out of my own mouth and articulated that better than I um, probably ever could, but I agree with everything that you've said. Uh, imagine how simple it would have been if they put it into categories of one, two, three, four, five, um, instead of putting – Words which then carry those emotions behind them—the emotions of underweight, the emotions of healthy, the emotions of overweight, um, the emotion behind obese. You know, it's 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 the meaning behind those words for people that create the, I guess, stigma of BMI, and then people going, "Oh, well, that's a bullshit calculator," because how do I fall into that category when, you know, I'm not, they don't associate themselves with what category they might be falling into. Um, so it's, mm. you, you wrapped it up really well for me. I, again, think it's a tool, but I think it's the emotion behind the wording they use of putting people into categories that gives it the power it has um, and the power of how that enables people to feel shaped by it so it's about breaking down that stigma mm. and breaking down the power um, that those words hold and carry and realising that that might not be you, you might not be healthy, you might not be overweight, you might not even be obese um, only you can you know, define your own health
0: Hmm. I like it, and also um, to, you mm-hmm. talked about athletes before. I forgot to say afterwards, but literally every athlete I know would fall yeah. into the obese, if not more obese, category. Um, so just another mm-hmm. reason why it's it's a bit bullshit. But Lana, throw us your thoughts. Um My
1: thoughts. Basically, your guys' thoughts. I'm um, a little parrot. <laughs> I uh, I totally agree. It's it's the it's the way that it has been broken down and and the stigma that goes along with those specific words and the wording and the emotional connection that we hold with those things. Um, I do know that, like for me, it says that my um, my ideal weight would be like uh, between 70 and 73 kgs. And I was telling Lyann earlier that I have been that weight and I was the fittest I've ever been and the smallest I've ever been. But I also was dancing and singing six hours a night, six days a week and sleeping on average 14 hours a day. Like Mm. I was, Mm. I wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, Mm. um, sustainable life. And that was a contributing factor to when I stopped living that way. Um, I wasn't able to when I came back to New Zealand, I wasn't able to um, even match mm-hmm. it exercise wise because I my work was to do um, five to six 45 minute sets of dancing and singing every single night. Like it, it just I couldn't match it regardless of how hard I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just piled on mm-hmm. the weight and. Um, so for me, it scares, it scares me a little bit being like, okay, well that is like, that's my optimum weight according mm. to BMI, but, but scares me a it. Like it does and yeah. it doesn't, um, it, it, I know that if I get down to 70 kgs, I, unless I, I just, I can't do it unless I was to be an athlete, like, mm. and that's not where my life is going. So I know that I will always probably be in the overweight to obese mm. category and I'm, ca- I'm okay it, with that. Yeah. Like I'm, it's I'm just, it's just
0: shit that there still is a little bit <laughs> of the sting, eh? You know? Like even... Yeah, oh, hey. there
1: definitely yeah. is. Like, it's that emotional way. trauma um,
2: behind being associated. I, I, but I wasn't,
1: yeah. I wasn't even he- healthy then. Yeah. So but, we just yeah.
0: need... Like individually, what we can do is just start placing more importance on feeling good and and well feeling good in our bodies and minds and and what does that actually look like and just slowly decoupling from the myth of needing to be a certain um, weight to fit into (laughs) an old school measurement but like I I understand that yep for surgeons they need to have one way to decide how Mm -hmm. they are going to and I think they then will assess you based off other factors but we we just I think it's just as individuals we just need to make a stand and go we know this is fucking bullshit and um, it's okay. It's just one, one thing and we don't have to use it. It doesn't, doesn't have to be in our sphere of influence, but you know, in some places it's a measure that helps like a big research project. So anyway, we will wrap up. Um, thank you guys for coming on. That was really great. I love how focused our conversation was thank because you. we usually go way off tangent. So this is perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Tune in to our next yarn. Thank you for listening to this week's Bariatric Yarn. If you have a weight loss surgery story or conversation you think needs to be heard, get in touch with us on Instagram at Bariatric Yarns. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for being part of the change.